Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, 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 good morning everyone. Grab your seats. Turn to the person next to you today. So good to have you in church this morning. Say that to them. Oh, very quiet. So good to see you in church this morning, guys. Say that. Hello to everyone. Welcome to our uh, members. Welcome to our visitors. I want to give any visitors another clap. Elevation, welcome today here. I want to let you know something about Elevation. We believe that church is not an event to attend, but a family to belong to. And if you're with us for a little while, you'll hear us repeat that. If you're looking for an event, a production, you may not find that here. But I tell you what you can find here. You can find community. You can find a family to belong to. You can find acceptance and Jesus' love. So I just want to say that today. We're a family. We are a community of Christ's followers and Jesus' lovers in this place. So welcome today, church. We're going to get straight into it this morning. Grab your Bibles. We're turning to Luke 7. Uh, verse 30, Luke chapter 7, verse 30, and, G, and it says this, the words will be on the screen behind me. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Don't you just love that picture, reclining at the table? I think that's how we should do dinner. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with a jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Ladies, when's the last time you had a pedicure and that's the kind of service you got? I'm going to guess not very often. When the Pharisees who invited him saw this, the Pharisee, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would know who was touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, don't you love it? He is thinking this. Jesus doesn't think his response. He says it out loud to to, uh, the man Simon. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Teach me, teacher, he said. Uh, Jesus says, two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owned 500, owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Westpac, if you're listening, please forgive my debts. Now, which of them will love him more? The guy, Simon replied, I suppose the one who's, who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with my hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head or anoint me, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But who has ever been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Someone needs to hear this this morning. Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just praise you this morning that you're the God who says your sins are forgiven. I just thank you this morning for the presence of your Holy Spirit to anoint these words as I speak, the anointed scripture inspired by you, God. And I give you praise for that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. come on, everyone said, Amen. Amen. How many people here like to go to hotels? I like to stay at a hotel. I'm not talking about a motel, and I'm definitely not talking about a hostel. I'm talking about a hotel. Do we like to go to hotels? Yeah, we all love hotels, right? Here's the thing that I've noticed about hotels. You do things at hotels you wouldn't normally do at home. You do things. Like, like let me give you an example, okay, because that could be misconstrued. But, but this is what I'm giving you an example of. You go to the hotel, and you have a shower, and what do you do? You, you know, there's like six towels there, so you grab three towels and you're like, I'm going to one towel for my hair, one towel for my legs, another towel, you know. You grab the towels and you're just like, it's okay, it doesn't matter. And then what do you do with the towel? That, that, you Normally you'd hang it back up, right? When you're at the hotel, you just chuck it on the floor, right? It's just on the floor. Someone will come and pick that up sooner or later, you know. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, I do that already at home. Come on, guys, we can do better than that. It doesn't matter because when you're at a hotel, someone else will look after it, yeah? You order room service and you get that big, fat, juicy, oily, fatty cheeseburger and you get the side of fries and you don't eat it at that little table, that little desk where you write your business letters, yeah? You know, you go with a stationery, I'm at the hotel, you know, no one does that. You don't eat there, you eat it in your bed. And there's fat dripping on the bed sheets, and there's the aioli on the pillow, and you're like, it doesn't matter. The bed sheets are going to get changed tomorrow. You know, you don't even, you don't even feel bad that maybe you or someone else has to change it normally, right? You just do it because you're at a hotel. It's all good. And like, there's, there's like five pillows in the cupboard over there, so it doesn't matter. At the hotel, we're less careful, right? But at home, we're more careful. See, at home, we would never do those types of things. You, at home, you're careful. At the hotel, you don't own the stuff, so you don't mind if you stain it or get it dirty. You know that someone's going to come along and restock the minibar, clean your mess, change the sheets, make the bed. How good is it when you come back and someone's made the bed and there's a little chocolate there as well? Like, hotel is amazing. It's a great time. But at home, if you don't make your bed, it's not getting made. It's not getting made. If you don't make your bed, if you don't tidy up, if you don't pick up your clothes off the floor, they're not getting picked up. And maybe today there's some mums still picking up after their kids. Like a little Johnny, he's only 25, you know. Mums, stop it. Wives, maybe you're picking up after your husband. Maybe the husbands are picking up after the wives. Let's not stereotype, you know. Don't do it. Come on, they're old enough to not do it. See, at home we're careful, but at the hotel we're a bit careless. I want to let you know today, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, he's not careless with your life. He has a careful, intricate plan for your life, a detailed plan. And unlike us at the hotel, am I the only person who acts like that at the hotel? Like, Surely we all do that. Come on, I'm paying good money. I'm keeping people employed. God, he's not careless for the plans of your life. And maybe someone that you knew, was careless with you. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe someone was just flippant with the way they treated you and they let you down, they betrayed you. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus 
He's careful with your life. He's careful with the plans he has for you because he loves you. little side note here, how great was Pastor Gabby? That's my wife. Her preach last Sunday. It was so good. I said, Gab, you should preach every Sunday. She's like, I don't know about that. And I love how she explained to us in the scripture that she read, Jeremiah 29, 11, how the word plans that we've translated to plans in Hebrew, a, probably a better way to translate it is actually the word thoughts. So God, his plan, his thoughts towards us, church, are detailed, are careful, are intricate for our lives. And so in Luke 7, we see the story of Jesus going to the house of the, the religious person, the Pharisee, and he's there. And as he's there, sitting back and relaxing, a woman comes along, a sinner, and she does these things to him. She pours out the oil and she, she looks after her, him. And the woman, we don't know a lot about her. It doesn't give us her name. It doesn't give us her backstory. It doesn't tell us a whole lot about who she is. All that we know is that she is a sinful woman. Could you imagine that? If that was how you were written about, how you were talked about. Oh, here we go. Here's, here comes Mr. Greed. Yep, that's Mr. Greed. He wants everything. You know? How about this one here? Oh, that's, that's Miss Hate, Little Miss Hate. It's like the Mr. Men, Mr. 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 Women books. Uh, anyway, Liz, here's Miss Hate. Oh, she's really, she's a really angry person, you know. Or here's Mr. Last. Or here's Mrs. Liar. Don't believe a word she says. You know, imagine if you were known by the kind of things that you've done in your life, your past. This woman is defined by her past, what she's done. She's a sinner. She's a sinner. And I'm not sure if everyone knows this today, and this is probably basic if you've been following Jesus for a while, but if you don't know this, this may be a revelation for you today. If you are in Jesus, you are not defined by what you've done, you're defined by who God says you are. Come on, someone needs to hear that today. You are not defined by your past or your present. You're defined by who God says you are. If there's a voice you should listen to, if there's something you should allow to speak into your spirit, it is who God defines you as, not your past or your present. And this is good news. See, if you're in Jesus, and we don't have the scriptures, but if you're in Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, The old has passed, the new has come. Paul says in Philippians 3.13, I forget that which is behind me, I press onwards. The past that may be bad, the past that may be amazing, I press on because of my future that God is more concerned about. Philippians 1.6, he says, he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. So your past does not define you, God defines you and he says, who you are, can somebody say Jesus is greater? I think we can do a greater way of saying Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. It's the title of my sermon today, Jesus is Greater. Somehow this woman, this sinner, learned that Jesus was in town. The scriptures use the Bible, the, the word learned. She learned that Jesus was in town. To me, that means that someone told her that Jesus was around. Someone told her that this Jesus had come to town. And the Bible isn't very clear about uh, this woman, but theologians believe that this woman was probably a prostitute. So it meant that she sold her body 
to the highest bidder she, for an encounter, for a sexual interaction. That's what she did. But this day, someone came to her and said, there's a man in town. He's like no one you've ever met. You need to meet him. You need to go and see him. His name is Jesus. If you meet him, you might be transformed. Your life might change. And it's possible that after that man, that woman, that person said that to this woman, that they went away and they thought to themselves, man, I should have done a better way. I should have done a better job of telling her about Jesus. It's possible they went away and they felt like they fumbled the ball. It's possible they went, around, went away and said, thought that they didn't hit the mark. All Christians have this one God-given purpose in common to tell people about Jesus. And often we don't put out the invite because we're worried about being rejected. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? Are they going to think that I'm a religious fruitcake? Are they going to think that I'm a Bible basher? We think all these things. We don't put out the invite because we're worried we'll be rejected. But we need to be careful we don't misinterpret a a rejection for what it might actually be, an injection into that person's life. See, when you invite someone to church and they don't come, you could feel like you failed. You could feel like, well, I'm not doing that again. That doesn't work. I'm not going to go down that path again. But perhaps what you've imparted into their life is an injection of Jesus Christ, is a seed that you've put into their spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. See, every invitation, accepted or rejected, is a planting, is a watering of a seed in someone's life. And it's not our job to make the seed grow. It is God who does the growing. We just got to put the invite out there. Hands up today if you like grocery shopping. Anyone, any people here like to go grocery shopping? If I'd said like clothes shopping or jewelry shopping or tool shopping, more hands would have gone up, I know. But grocery shopping, me personally, it's kind of not really my, my deal. It's not, I'm not a big fan of doing it. But there is a shopping, uh, a grocery shop near us that if Gab says, I'm going there, do you want to come along? I said, yes, I'm going to come along. It's called Lamana. Has anyone heard of Lamana, the shop? If you haven't heard of Lamana, I get, I'm not giving you permission now. But after the service, jump onto your phone, look up Google Lamana, go there, do yourself a favor, go there during the week and check it out. It is the most amazing place. They've got Dali, fresh produce, dairy, uh, patisserie, cafe. They've got all these amazing things. They make, they've got their own homemade ice cream and yogurt and pastries that they do there, there's meats, it's a cool place, like you're looking at me and go, this guy likes to go to a, a grocery shop, this guy's weird, now you've got to go there, if you know, you know, it's happening at Lamana. Lamana is smart, they've continued this tradition that we used to see back in the day, depending how old you are, where they have sample tables, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Does anyone remember the sample table? And you might be here today and you're like, I don't know what that is. I've never seen it. Let me break it down for you. The sample table is where they have little, small, bite sizes of food where you can, wow, sample the food. And there's like little toothpicks in it. And Come on, does anyone remember? 
so I remember as a kid, it was the best thing, you know, like, because you might be starving, and so you just run there and have something to eat, yeah? <laughs> so you can get a taste, right? That's what the samples are for. You can get a taste, and, uh, man, I take, I, I, the tasting every Tuesday, I go there, 50 samples, that's my lunch, I'm done. It's all good, because my wife doesn't, <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking, definitely joking. But see, Lamana has realised something. They've realized something in their experience, in all the time they've done what they've done, in their, in their uh, analyzing things, they know that you're going to go along to their shop, you've got your list, your list, bread, eggs and milk, you're going there to, to buy the bread, eggs and milk, but they know that their pork and fennel sausages are amazing. And they've got the sample table there, and they know that if you will try one of those samples, that you're going to leave that place with your bread your milk, your eggs, and probably 50 other things because it's such an amazing place, but also three packets of pork and fennel sausages because they know, they've experienced, that the sample will hook you to buy the thing that they want to sell. And see, our job, church, yours and mine, is to give out samples of what Jesus tastes like of what life is like with Jesus in your life. That's our job. And when people get a sample of Jesus, they're going to want to come back for more and experience the fullness, the wholeness of a life with Jesus Christ. So just give people a sample of Jesus. Be, give them a sample of Jesus. Speak words of life. Be an uplifting person. Be an encourager. Declare in the spirit realm. Today I'm going to give people a sample of Jesus Christ. Speak words of faith. Create faith-filled environments. Plant the seed. You never know what might happen. One day they might, you put out the sample table continuously. No one, but one day someone may take a sample. And when they get that sample, they're going to say, I want to know who Jesus is. Don't give out giving people samples of Jesus Christ. Stick at it. And so this woman, she's at the house and she falls before Jesus and she's weeping and she's crying at his feet. And the religious people, the Pharisees, the church leaders, the church goers, us, people like us, sit there and they say to themselves, if this man calls himself a prophet, knew who she was, he would not let her touch him. He would not have anything to do with it. He would not want to be around her. She is a sinner. She's a sinner. What they didn't realize is that Jesus didn't come for the healthy he came for the sick and the lost and the hurting and the oppressed and the blind and, and the lame. Jesus came for them. He came for the sinners. And see, we can get so caught up in our religiosity and our legalism and how we think things should be that we forget the grace of God that came for people just like us, just like you and me, just like the person down the street that you know, the friend, the family member, the person that maybe you think, look at their life, but Jesus came for that person. He came for the sinner. That's you. That's me. He came for us to reach and to touch the sinners. And here at Elevation, we have an open door policy for people who are sinners 
and for sinning, people who are sinning to come to our church. We're not here for the pious or the religious or the legalistic. We are here for the ones Jesus was for and Jesus came for sinners. So today I want to let you know, maybe you don't know Jesus today. Maybe you've never given your life to God and you felt like, I don't know if I can go to church because I don't know what people will think of me. We're not thinking anything about you because I'm thinking enough about myself and my problems. All I'm thinking is that Jesus loves you and that we welcome you here in this place. The keys could come. The gospel could be summed up in one word, come. The gospel says, life, your life a mess, come to Jesus. The gospel says, are you hurting, come to Jesus. The gospel says, are you ashamed, come to Jesus. Guilty, come to Jesus. Empty, come to Jesus. Searching, come to Jesus. Unsatisfied, come to Jesus. You know, feeling bad, come to Jesus. A sinner, come to Jesus. That's the gospel message. That's the God I serve, not a God that condemns, that requires you to go through a checklist before you can come to Him. Come to Jesus just as you are. Because all that Jesus is is what we need. Not all that we are is what God's looking for. Come to Jesus with all of your hang-ups, all your issues, all your sin. Come to Jesus. This includes those that are Christians and those that aren't Christians. Come to Jesus as you are. And Jesus saying today to you, He's saying to me, He's saying to us, come to me. He says it in Scripture, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, today, if you think that you have to right the wrongs of your life, the sin of your life, before God will accept you, you are carrying a heavy burden. If you think that if I would just get my life right, then I will be free and God will then accept me, that's a heavy burden. Jesus says, come to me and I will make your burden light. The sin that you carry and every other thing that might be going on in your life, I will give you my yoke. It's light. Come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Last week, Pastor Gabby was talking about how when God talks about the word prosper, it's not the Western worldview that we have where we think materialistic things. When God talks about prospering, He talks about peace. He talks about rest. Church, can, can you imagine your life if you would rest in God? If you would receive His peace, the, to, could you imagine to give the heavy burden of stress and anxiety and worry that you carry, to give it to God and say, Jesus, I want your rest. And, and this woman, this, this person in Scripture here, this woman, she is a picture of me. She's a picture of you. She's a picture of us. She's a picture of the church. And we might say, well, I've never done what she's done. And that might be true, but we're just in need of a Savior. We're just in need of Jesus to come into our lives. We're just in need of God to say, Bronson, your sins are forgiven. We're just in need of a Jesus to say, I died for you. I love you. We're just in need of someone who is greater 
can I say to this morning, Jesus is greater. And today, I don't know where your life is at. I don't know what you're going on. I don't know what's happening. And maybe your life is perfect. Maybe you've got it all together. And I would say, give God some praise. That is amazing. That is so good. But for myself personally, I've got insecurities. I've got issues I'm dealing with. I've got things that I've done that I'm ashamed of. There's fears I sometimes have. There's situations that I encounter more than you probably imagine where I don't know what the next step is to do. I need Jesus. And I believe that most of us are like the rest of us. It's a great man of God who once said that, used to say it a lot. Most of us are like the rest of us. And if that's what I experience, I'm guessing you experience that today as well. But you know, Here's the amazing thing. This woman, with all of the things going on in her life, with all of the hang-ups, with all of the sin, yes, there was sin in her life, with all of the issues and the junk, listen to this. She's got enough wisdom to come to Jesus. She's got enough wisdom to come to Jesus. Jesus, give me wisdom to come to you with the issues of my life. Sometimes church, you know what? We go to the friend, we go to the pastor, we go to the to some, you know, preacher on the TV. How about we just come to Jesus? Jesus, come on, come to you. I give this to you today. Come to Jesus. Never about what you're going through in life. It's about who you're going to in life. What you're going through, come on, Jesus is greater than what you're going through. But are you going to Jesus? And I'm not saying don't go to a great Christian friend. I'm not saying don't come to the pastors. That's what we're here for. But can I just encourage you at the end of the day, those people, you know, where they need to go to, they need to go to Jesus too. Come to Jesus. What you're going through, that's about who you're going to. My question today is, who are you going to? My question today is, when you find yourself in a situation, who are you going to? My question today is, when you do think about your life, and maybe you do think about the sin in your life, and there's condemnation that comes and tries to attack you and to pull you down, to tell you you're not good enough, you'll never make it. I want to ask you, who are you going to? Who are you listening to? Who are you allowing to minister into your spirit? Jesus today, He's saying, come. He's saying, come. And right now, there's people in this room sitting here right now. There's people on the live stream. Right now, in this moment, sometime in the future, there's people listening on the podcast. And Jesus is saying, come. He's saying, come. I want to enter into a relationship with you. He's saying, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. Would you let me in? Would you invite me to come in your life? And shortly, I'm going to give any person who might be like that in this place this morning an opportunity to say, Jesus, I hear your invitation. And I want to accept and invite you into my life. Jesus goes on and he tells a story of the two men in debt. And one's in a much larger debt than the other. And they've gone to a loan shark. They've gone to a money lender. And they cannot repay the debt. The money lender says, well, I'm going to cancel both debts. And Jesus says, who do you think is going to be more grateful, thankful? Who do you think is going to be more joyful? Who do you think, when they think about that money lender, they're going to think, wow, I can't believe what that person did for me. 
come on, has anyone ever done something for you that was out of the ordinary, that was extraordinary, that was above and beyond? And you think about that person. There have been people in my life that have been like that. And when I think about them, I think those people amazing at the right time, in the right moment, changed my life. And he asked these religious people who were looking down on this woman, which one is going to love the money lender more? And here's the thing, in their total lack, of self-awareness, their total lack of any emotional intelligence. They're like, yeah, Jesus, the one who has forgiven more. Like it just rolls off their tongue. It's like these guys are so blind, they don't even know that Jesus is talking about them. He's talking about them. They don't even realize that, yeah, oh, yeah, the one who's been forgiven more. And he says, you've judged correctly. The one who's been forgiven more in church, we carry a huge debt we cannot repay. And I'm not talking about any bank. I'm not talking about any financial institution, institution, commercial bank or anything like that or, or money lender or loan shark or family member that you may owe money or debt to. I'm talking about a heavenly ledger that records it. But God in His great grace, He says, you know what? I wipe out the ledger. I cross it out. I throw it in the bin. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in it. See, it finds us wanting. It finds us owing. It finds us drastically in over our head. Sin is a debt you cannot repay. But grace through the act of Jesus on the cross has paid the debt, paid the bill, wiped the ledger. It's good news, church. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got a reason to worship. You've got a reason to shout. Jesus paid the debt. If you're ever sitting in a place and you're like, why do we sing songs? Why do we praise God? Why do we worship? Those two words tell us why. Because we're praising God. We're worshiping Him. He's forgiven us of a debt we can't pay. The only way we can give our praise back is in words and worship and giving our lives to Him. See, I don't worship Jesus because of the awareness that I'm a sinner. I worship Jesus because of the awareness I've been set free. I don't worship God. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a snail. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I worship God. I am not worthy, but I worship you because I'm free. I'm free. I worship Jesus because He's stronger than my sin. He's greater than my mistakes in my past. I worship Jesus because He's the Savior that came, died for my sins, rose again, sits in the heavenly realm, sent His Holy Spirit to you, for you, to impart you, empower you, live through you, live for you, to accomplish His works as it is in heaven, down on earth, here on earth. He came, He conquered, and He's saying to you today, you are accepted, you are loved, you are forgiven. I think we need a better clap than that for Jesus today. You are forgiven in this place. And as I finish up this morning, you know, this woman, she comes for Jesus. She wasn't where God planned for her to be. And the truth of the matter is, we're not where God plans for us to be. I really believe in my own life that God has wants more for me. He's calling me to a, a greater place. And I'm not talking about, you know, those things that we call greater success. I'm not talking about success. I'm talking about the transformation He wants to do in my life. To draw out that God part in me, the Holy Spirit in me, 
And I believe He wants to do more in your life as well. And you're not where God plans for you to be. But thank God that because of Jesus, you're not where you used to be. Come on, has anyone's life been transformed by the power of Jesus? And I should be on that cross. I should be buried in my sin. I should be spiritually dead. But I've been given new life because of Jesus, because of God's grace, because He loved us so much. I come to Jesus as I am. The woman came to to Jesus as she was. She didn't change her life. She didn't turn from her past. Before she came to Jesus, she came just as she was. See, Jesus is greater than my sin. He's greater than my past. He's greater than my problems. He's greater than my fears. He's greater than my plans. He's greater than my needs. Jesus is greater. And He had a careful, intricate, detailed plan when He came to earth 2,000 years ago. And He changed the life of this woman. And 2,000 years later, He wants to change your life. He's got a detailed, intricate, careful plan for your life. Today, Jesus is greater. He was greater then. He's greater now. Jesus is greater. Let's bow our heads this morning, God, in this place. We speak that truth over our lives. Jesus is greater.